Hey everyone, welcome to week eight of the Intro GIS podcast. I am Dr. Rebecca Shakespeare, and so far this podcast has mostly been reading from the textbook Essentials of Geographic Information Systems by Campbell and Shin in 2011. This text was adapted by the Sailor Academy under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike License. As such, this podcast is shared under that same license. This week is Chapter 7, Geospatial Analysis 1, Vector Operations. This is when we get to the really exciting stuff, analyzing things relative to one layer or analyzing across multiple layers using different kinds of vector operations. Next week, we'll go through some of the same types of ideas, but also some of the things unique to raster data. But for now, brace yourselves for Vector Operations, Chapter 7. Chapter 7, Geospatial Analysis 1, Vector Operations. In Chapter 6, Data Characteristics and Visualization, we discussed different ways to query, classify, and summarize information in attribute tables. These methods are indispensable for understanding the basic quantitative and qualitative trends of a dataset. However, they don't take particular advantage of the greatest strength of a geographic information system, notably the explicit spatial relationships. Spatial analysis is a fundamental component of a GIS that allows for an in-depth study of the topological and geometric properties of a dataset or datasets. In this chapter, we discuss the basic spatial analysis techniques for vector datasets. Chapter 7.1, Single Layer Analysis. The objective of this section is to become familiar with concepts and terms related to the variety of single overlay analysis techniques available to analyze and manipulate the spatial attributes of a vector dataset. As the name suggests, single-layer single analyses are those that are undertaken on an individual feature dataset. Buffering is the process of creating an output polygon layer containing a zone or zones of a specified width around an input point, line, or polygon feature. Buffers are particularly suited for determining the area of influence around features of interest. Geoprocessing is a suite of tools provided by many geographic information system software packages that allow the user to automate many of the mundane tasks associated with manipulating GIS data. Geoprocessing usually involves the input of one or more feature data sets, followed by a spatially explicit analysis and resulting in an output feature data set. Buffering. Buffers are a common vector analysis tool used to address questions of proximity in a GIS and can be used on points, lines, or polygons. For instance, suppose that a natural resource manager wants to ensure that there are no areas disturbed within 1,000 feet of breeding habitat for the federally endangered Delhi Sands flower-loving fly. This species is only found in a few remaining Delhi Sands formations of the western United States. To accomplish this task, a 1,000-foot protection zone, or buffer, could be created around all of the observed point locations of the species. 
Alternatively, the manager may decide that there is not enough point-specific location information related to this rare species and to decide to protect all Delhi Sands soil formations. In this case, he or she could create a 1,000-foot buffer around all polygons labeled as Delhi Sands on soil formations dataset. In either case, the use of buffers provides a quick and easy tool for determining which areas are to be maintained as preserved habitat for this endangered fly. Several buffering options are available to refine the output. For example, the buffer tool will typically buffer only selected features. If no features are selected, then all features will be buffered. Two primary types of buffers are available to the GIS users, constant width and variable width. Constant width requires users to input a value by which the features will be buffered, such as is seen in the examples in the preceding paragraph where a 1,000-foot buffer was applied. Variable width buffers, on the other hand, call on a pre-made buffer field within the attribute table to determine the buffer width for a specific feature in the dataset. In addition, users can choose to dissolve or not dissolve the boundaries between overlapping coincident buffer areas. Multiple ring buffers can be made such that a series of concentric buffer zones, much like an archery target, are created around the originating feature at user-specified distances. In the case of polygon layers, buffers can be created to include the originating polygon feature as part of the buffer they created, or to be created as a donut buffer that excludes the input polygon area. Setback buffers are similar to donut buffers. However, they only buffer the area inside the polygon boundary. Linear features can be buffered on both sides of the line, only on the left or only on the right. Linear features can also be buffered so that the endpoints of the line are rounded, ending in a half circle, or flat, ending in a rectangle. Geoprocessing operations. Geoprocessing is a loaded term in the field of GIS. The term can and should be widely applied to any attempt to manipulate GIS data. However, the term came into common usage due to its application to a somewhat arbitrary suite of single-layer and multiple-layer analytical techniques in the geoprocessing wizard of Esri's ArcView software package in the mid-1990s. Regardless, the suite of geoprocessing tools available in a GIS greatly expand and simplify many of the management and manipulation processes associated with vector feature datasets. The primary use of these tools is to automate the repetitive pre-processing needs of typical spatial analyses and to assemble exact graphical representations for subsequent analysis and or inclusion in presentations and final mapping projects. The union, intersect, symmetrical, difference, and identity overlay methods, which will be discussed in section 7.2, other multi-layer geoprocessing options, are often used in conjunction with these geoprocessing tools. The following represents the most common geoprocessing tools. The dissolve operation combines adjacent polygon features in a single feature data set based on a single predetermined attribute. For example, if you look at figure 7.3, single-layer geoprocessing functions, 
It shows the boundaries of seven different parcels of land owned by four different families, which are labeled one through four. The dissolve tool automatically combines all adjacent features with the same attribute values. The result is an output layer with the same extent as the original, but without all of the unnecessary intervening line segments. The dissolved output layer is much easier to visually interpret when the map is classified according to the dissolved field. The append operation creates an output polygon layer by combining the spatial extent of two or more layers. For use with point line and polygon datasets, the output layer will be the same feature type as the input layers, which must each be the same feature type as well. Unlike the dissolve tool, append does not remove the boundary lines between appended layers in the case of lines and polygons. Therefore, it is often useful to perform a dissolve after the use of the append tool to remove these potentially unnecessary dividing lines. Append is frequently used to mosaic data layers, such as Digital U.S. Geological Survey 7.5-minute topographic maps to create a single map for analysis or display. The select operation creates an output layer based on a user-defined query that selects particular features from the input layer. The output layer contains only those features that are selected during the query. For example, a city planner may choose to perform a select on all areas that are zoned residential, so he or she can quickly assess which areas in town are suitable for a proposed housing development. Finally, the merge operation combines features within a point, line, or polygon layer into a single feature with identical attribute information. Often, the original features will have different values for a given attribute. In this case, the first attribute encountered is carried over into the attribute table, and the remaining attributes are lost. This operation is particularly useful when polygons are found to be unintentionally overlapping. Merge will conveniently combine these features into a single entity. Key Takeaways Buffers are frequently used to create zones of a specific width around points, lines, and polygons. Vector buffering options include constant or variable widths, multiple rings, donuts, setbacks, and dissolve. Common single-layer geoprocessing operations on vector layers include dissolve, merge, append, and select. Section 7.2, Multiple-Layer Analysis. The objective of this section is to become familiar with concepts and terms related to the implementation of basic multiple-layer operations and methodologies used on vector feature datasets. Among the most powerful and commonly used tools in a geographic information system is the overlay of cartographic information. In GIS, an overlay is the process of taking two or more different thematic maps of the same area and placing them on top of one another to form a new map. Inherent in this process, the overlay function combines not only the spatial features of the data set, but also the attribute information as well. A common example used to illustrate the overlay process is, where is the best place to put a mall? 
Imagine you're a corporate bigwig and are tasked with determining where your company's next shopping mall will be placed. How would you attack this problem? With GIS at your command, answering such spatial questions begins with amassing and overlaying pertinent spatial data layers. For example, you may want to determine what areas can support the mall by accumulating information on which land parcels are for sale and which are zoned for commercial development. After collecting and overlaying the baseline information on available development zones, you can begin to determine which areas offer the most economic opportunity by collecting regional information on average household income, population density, location of proximal shopping centers, local buying habits, and more. Next, you may want to collect information on restrictions or roadblocks to development, such as the cost of land, cost to develop the land, community response to development, adequacy of transportation corridors to and from the proposed mall, tax rates, and so forth. Indeed, simply collecting and overlaying spatial data sets provides a valuable tool for visualizing and selecting the optimal site for such a business endeavor. Overlay operations. Several basic overlay processes are available in a GIS for vector data sets. Point in polygon, polygon on point, line on line, line in polygon, polygon on line, and polygon on polygon. As you may be able to divine from the names, one of the overlay data set must always be a line or a polygon layer, while the second may be a point, line, or a polygon. The new layer produced following the overlay operation is termed the output layer. The point in polygon overlay operation requires a point input layer and a polygon overlay layer. Upon performing this operation, a new output point layer is returned that includes all the points that occur within the spatial extent of the overlay. In addition, all points in the output layer contain their original attribute information, as well as the attribute information from the overlay. For example, suppose you were tasked with determining if an endangered species residing in a national park was found primarily in a particular vegetation community. The first step would be to acquire the point occurrence locales for the species in question, plus a polygon overlay layer showing the vegetation communities within the national park boundary. Upon performing the point in polygon overlay operation, a new point file is created that contains all the points that occur within the national park. The attribute table of this output point file would also contain information about the vegetation communities being utilized by the species at the time of observation. A quick scan of this output layer and its attribute table would allow you to determine where the species was found in the park and to review the vegetation communities in which it occurred. This process would enable park employees to make informed management decisions regarding which on-site habitats to protect to ensure continued site utilization by the species. As its name suggests, the polygon on point overlay operation is the opposite of the point in polygon operation. In this case, the polygon layer is the input while the point layer is the overlay. The polygon features that overlay these points are selected and subsequently preserved in the output layer. For example, 
Given a point data set containing the locales of some type of crime and a polygon data set representing city blocks, a polygon on point overlay operation would allow police to select city blocks in which crimes have been known to occur and hence determine those locations where an increased police presence may be warranted. A line-on-line overlay operation requires line features for both the input and the overlay layer. The output from this operation is a point or points located precisely at the intersections of the two linear data sets. For example, a linear feature data set containing railroad tracks may be overlain on a linear road network. The resulting point data set contains all the locales of railroad crossings over the town's road network. The attribute table for this railroad crossing point data set would contain information from both the railroad and the road over which it passed. The line in polygon overlay operation is similar to the point in polygon overlay, with that obvious exception that a line input layer is used instead of a point input layer. In this case, each line that has any part of its extent within the overlay polygon layer will be included in the output line layer, although these lines will be truncated at the boundary of the overlay. For example, a line in polygon overlay can take an input layer of interstate line segments and a polygon overlay representing city boundaries and produce a linear output of highway segments that fall within the city boundary. The attribute table for the output interstate line segment will contain information on the interstate name as well as the city through which they pass. The polygon on line overlay operation is the opposite of the line in polygon operation. In this case, the polygon layer is the input, while the line layer is the overlay. The polygon features that overlay these lines are selected and subsequently preserved in the output layer. For example, given a layer containing the path of a series of telephone poles or wires and a polygon map that contains city parcels, a polygon online overlay operation would allow a land assessor to select those parcels containing overhead telephone wires. Finally, the polygon in polygon overlay operation employs a polygon input and a polygon overlay. This is the most commonly used overlay operation. Using this method, the polygon input and overlay layers are combined to create an output polygon layer with the extent of the overlay. The attribute table will contain spatial data and attribute information from both the input and the overlay layers. For example, you may choose an input polygon layer of soil types and an overlay of agricultural fields within a given county. The output polygon layer would contain information on both the location of agricultural fields, and the soil types throughout the county. The overlay operations discussed previously assume that the user desires the overlay layers to be combined. This is not always the case. Overlay methods can be more complex than that and therefore employ the basic Boolean operators, AND, OR, and XOR. Depending on which operators are utilized, the overlay method employed will result in the intersection, union, symmetrical difference, or identity. Specifically, 
The union overlay method employs the OR operator. A union can be used only in the case of two polygon input layers. It preserves all features, attribute information, and spatial extents from both input layers. This overlay method is based on the polygon-in-polygon -polygon operation. Alternatively, the intersection overlay method employs the AND operator. An intersection requires a polygon overlay, but can accept a point, line, or polygon input. The output layer covers the spatial extent of the overlay and contains features and attributes from both the input and the overlay. The symmetrical difference overlay method employs the XOR operator, which results in the opposite output as the intersection. This method requires both input layers to be polygons. The output polygon layer produced by the symmetrical difference method re represents those areas common to only one of the feature datasets. In addition to these simple operations, the identity, also referred to as minus, overlay method creates an output layer with a spatial extent of the input layer, but includes attribute information from the overlay, referred to as the identity layer in this case. The input layer can be points, lines, or polygons. The identity layer must be a polygon dataset. Other multi-layer geoprocessing options. In addition to the aforementioned vector overlay methods, other common multiple layer geoprocessing options are available to the user. These include the clip, erase, and split tools. The clip geoprocessing operation is used to extract those features from an input point, line, or polygon layer that fall within the spatial extent of the clip layer. Following the clip, all attributes from the preserved portion of the input layer are included in the output. If any features are selected during this process, only those selected features within the clip boundary will be included in the output. For example, the clip tool could be used to clip the extent of a river floodplain by the extent of a county boundary. This would provide county managers with insight into which parts of the floodplain they are responsible to maintain. This is similar to the intersect overlay method, however, the attribute information associated with the clip layer is not carried into the output layer following the overlay. The erase geoprocessing operation is essentially the opposite of a clip. Whereas the clip tool preserves the area within an input layer, the erase tool preserves only those areas outside the extent of the analogous erase layer. While the input layer can be a point, line, or polygon dataset, the erase layer must be a polygon dataset. Continuing with our clip example, county managers could use the erase tool to erase the areas of private ownership within the county floodplain area. Officials could then focus specifically on public reaches of the county floodplain for their upkeep and maintenance responsibilities. The split geoprocessing operation is used to divide an input layer into two or more layers based on a split layer. The split layer must be a polygon, while the input layers can be point, line, or polygon. For example, a homeowners association may choose to split up a countrywide soil series map by parcel boundaries so each homeowner has a specific soil map for their own parcel. Spatial join. 
A spatial join is a hybrid between an attribute operation and a vector overlay operation. Like the join attribute operation described in chapter 5, a spatial join results in the combination of two feature dataset tables by a common attribute field. Unlike the attribute operation, a spatial join determines which fields from a sources layer attribute table are appended to the destination layer's attribute table based on the relative locations of selected features. This relationship is explicitly based on the property of proximity or containment between the source and destination layers, rather than the primary or secondary keys. The proximity option is used when the source layer is a point or line feature dataset, while the containment option is used when the source layer is a polygon feature dataset. When employing the proximity or nearest option, a record for each feature in the source layer's attribute table is appended to the closest given feature in the destination layer's attribute table. The proximity option will typically add a numerical field to the destination layer attribute table called distance, within which the measured distance between the source and destination feature is placed. For example, suppose a city agency had a point dataset showing all known polluters in the town and a line dataset of all the river segments within the municipal boundary. This agency could then perform a proximity-based spatial join to determine the nearest river segment that would most likely be affected by each polluter. When using the containment or inside option, a record for each feature in the polygon source layer's attribute table is appended to the record in the destination layer's attribute table that it contains. If a destination layer feature, point line or polygon, is not completely contained within a source polygon, no value will be appended. For example, suppose a pool cleaning business wanted to hone its marketing services by providing flyers only to homes that owned a pool. They could obtain a point data set containing the location of every pool in the county and a polygon parcel map for the same area. That business could then conduct a spatial join to append the parcel information to the pool locales. This would provide them with information on each land parcel that contained a pool, and they could subsequently send their mailers only to those homes. Overlay errors. Although overlays are one of the most important tools in a GIS analyst's toolbox, there are some problems that can arise when using this methodology. In particular, Slivers are a common error produced when two slightly misaligned vector layers are overlain. This misalignment can come from several sources, including digitization errors, interpretation errors, or source map errors. For example, most vegetation and soil maps are created from field survey data, satellite images, and aerial photography. While you can imagine that the boundaries of soils and vegetation frequently coincide, the fact that they are most likely created by different researchers at different times suggests that their boundaries will not perfectly overlap. To ameliorate this problem, GIS software incorporates a cluster tolerance option to be snapped together if they fall within a user-specified distance. Care must be taken when assigning cluster tolerance. Too strict a setting will not snap shared boundaries, while too lenient a setting will snap unintended neighboring boundaries together. A second potential source of error associated with the overlay process is error propagation. 
Error propagation arises when inaccuracies are present in the original input and overlay layers and are propagated through to the output layer. These errors can be related to positional inaccuracies of the points, lines, or polygons. Alternatively, they can arise from attribute errors in the original data tables. Regardless of the source, error propagation represents a common problem in overlay analysis, the impact of which depends largely on the accuracy and precision requirements of the project at hand. Key takeaways. Overlay processes place two or more thematic maps on top of one another to form a new map. Overlay operations available for use with vector data include point in polygon, polygon on point, line on line, line in polygon, polygon on line, and polygon in polygon models. Union, intersection, symmetrical difference, and identity are common operators used to combine information from various overlaying datasets. To practice for yourself some of these concepts of overlay analyses, think about your own field of study. Describe three theoretical data layers that could be overlain to create a new output map that answers a complex spatial question. For example, where is the best place to put a mall? Your own field of study may have different questions that relate different types of spaces and different types of information to each other. So it can help to think of what are a few spatial questions relevant to your interest and then think about what are three different types of data layers that you could combine. Recall that data layers have one spatial unit, and in this case we're dealing with vector layers, so that spatial unit will be a point, line, or a polygon unit, and that each layer only contains one type of data or one attribute.